know, this is the final week in a series that we've been doing called Decisions, and this has been a four-week journey for us, and you can probably tell if you're just a guest joining us this morning that what we've been talking about over the past four weeks is we've been talking about the art of decision-making, and what we've been saying is we've been saying, man, one thing that every single one of us has in common in this room is that over the course of a given day, we each make literally hundreds upon hundreds of decisions, and those decisions, of course, range from the very small, seemingly insignificant, even subconscious decisions uh, that we make to the large life-altering decisions, things like who to marry or what career path to choose or what college to go to or when you should retire and all those different types of decisions. We've been saying one thing all of us have in common is that we make hundreds upon hundreds of decisions. This might sound kind of obvious, but I think it's worth saying your decisions really matter. The decisions that you make, the decisions that I make, they really, really, really matter because as all of us know, our decisions have a way of accumulating, right? They compound. And over time, they'll set a trajectory for our life, and they will lead to a certain destination. You guys have probably heard the old axiom before, your life is a sum total of the decisions that you make, right? Your life is a sum total of the decisions that you make. And to some extent or another, there's some validity to that, isn't there? That, that our decisions, they compound, they compile over time, and they add up, and they equal certain outcomes in our life. And so it's because of that that in this series we're really talking about the art of decision making. We're asking, how do we ensure that we make great decisions? If our decisions are that important and they set kind of the course of our life, then how do we know that we're making awesome choices? And how can we be sure that we're kind of, kind of, kind of making decisions that are really the best decisions that we can be making? And so, of course, that's what we're looking to answer in this series. And our approach, as you can imagine, as with every series, is that we are asking, what does the Bible teach about that topic? What does the Bible say about making great decisions? How do we, according to the Bible, how do we make decisions that honor God and that ultimately will lead us to the destinations that God desires for us? And so that's kind of what we've been talking about over the course of this series. And like I said, if you are just joining us and you're a guest, we're so glad you're here. But I do need to apologize to you because you're actually catching us at the very end of a conversation. So this whole series is a four-week conversation. It's kind of like one big conversation. And so if you are just jumping in, you kind of missed the first part of that. But the good news is that you can catch up. And so if you want to, if anything we say today is in- interesting or intriguing, uh, you can go back to our website. You can listen to the previous installments of this conversation, or you can download our podcast, and you can listen to that if you want to. But let me just try to briefly summarize some of the things that we found so far. So here's what we found. We said that if you want to make great decisions according to the Bible that please God and ultimately lead to the destinations that God desires, we said that the foundation of making great decisions according to the Bible is all about this idea of understanding and following God's will, okay? So so that might sound kind of weird to some of you, but that's what we've been saying. We've been saying the Bible says if you want to make great choices, that the place that great decisions are made out of, uh, that the center of making awesome decisions that are going to honor God and lead to the places that he wants for you is all about knowing and following God's will for your life, okay? Following God's will. And, and so we've been talking about that. Now, God's will, like I said, some of you may have heard of that term before. It's actually a biblical term. In layman's terms, it basically just means this. It means God's desires or it means God's plan. Okay, that's what God's will is. It's God's desire or God's plan. The Bible says you want to make great choices. It's all about knowing and following God's will. And, uh, and so basically the passage that we looked at the first week that we were together to kind of help emphasize this was, a, was Ephesians chapter 5. Let me just highlight that again. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17, we have a very simple but a very profound verse. Look what it says. It says this, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is, okay? And we said this verse, let me just keep it up there for a second. We said that this verse is a very simple verse, but it's a very profound verse because it reveals two things to us. And the first one it reveals to us is this, is that God's will is understandable, right? In other words, you can know what God's will is, that it's not some mysterious, ethereal thing that you are somehow trying to figure out, but you can never quite be sure whether or not you, you, you are in God's will or no. He said, no, no, you can know. You can definitively know whether or not you are in God's will. It is understandable. The apostle Paul would not command us to understand what God's will if it wasn't possible for us to understand what God's will is. So we said, one thing this passage reveals to us is that you can know God's will. You can know what God's will is. And we said, here's the second thing this passage shows us. It tells us what's at stake if we don't know what God's will is. You notice what the opposite of knowing what God's will is in this passage? Don't be foolish. And so in other words, what that means is if we don't understand what God's will is and we don't try to follow that for our lives, we are susceptible to making foolish decisions 
decisions that might lead to regret, that might lead to hurt and pain, and that ultimately won't lead us to the destinations that God desires for us. And so, so we said that it's all about, really, the key to making great decisions, according to the Bible, is all about living and knowing God's will. And you can know that. Now, I know for some of you, especially if you're just joining the conversation, you might be thinking to yourself, well, I want to know what God's will is. I want to know what God's will is. How do I know what God's will is? If it's understandable, can you tell me? And that's why you got to go listen to the first three weeks. Because the first three weeks, we did nothing but try to add clarity to this mysterious and oftentimes misunderstood topic of what God's will is. Okay, so you can kind of check that out. But again, just to kind of summarize for us, here's basically what we said about God's will. We said this. We said the person that knows God's word is the person that knows God's will. That really, here's sort of what we found. That God's will, when the Bible talks about God wants us to live according to his will, that it's not talking about some futuristic, mysterious, I have to figure out, does God want me to marry this person or this person? Does God want me to do this job or this job? I just have to somehow foresee the future. We said that's not what the Bible is talking about when it's talking about God's will. God's will is the commandments and the precepts that are outlined for us in the Bible. And God has made those things known definitively to us, right? So you think about the commandments. You think about the precepts that God gives us in the Bible. The Bible says it is God's will that you're thankful. The Bible says it is God's will that you avoid sexual immorality. The Bible says it is God's will that you're sanctified. The Bible says those things are God's will. And so what does it mean to live according to God's will? It means to live a life surrendered, surrendered to the commandments and the precepts that God has outlined in the Bible. And here's what we said. We said when you make it your ambition to live a life submitted to God's commandments and precepts that he has made known for us in scripture. If you're doing that, not perfectly, none of us does that perfectly, but increasingly, if we do that increasingly, the Bible says that we can make decisions freely, okay, and confidently, knowing that God is going to lead us to the destinations that he desires for. So it's all about surrendering yourself to God's will now. Now, that begs a good question. Because the past three weeks, we've been talking all about what does it mean to live in God's will? What does that mean? We've been trying to define that. But here's the question. Okay, if what you're saying is God's will is me living according to the commandments and precepts in the Bible, that I'm striving to make that the ambition of my life, then what do I do with the thousands of decisions that are not explicitly spelled out for me in the Bible, right? So, for example, you're not going to find a verse that tells you what car to drive. You're not going to find a verse that tells you how much money you should spend on a house, you're not going to find a verse that tells you which university to go to or which person to marry, right? or what to eat for breakfast, or whether you should have orange juice or apple juice this morning. You're not going to find verses in the Bible that tell you those things. So how do you navigate then through the gray areas that aren't explicitly spelled out in the Bible? And that's what I want to talk about today. That's what I want to talk about for the rest of our time today. Because for some of us, you might be saying, okay, I've been with us this whole conversation, and you've been saying, man, just be obedient to what God wants for you today, and you don't have to worry about tomorrow, and you can just do that. And so, so you might be thinking, okay, well, does that mean then that God doesn't really care what I do? Is that what that means? Does that mean God doesn't care what college I go to? God doesn't care who I marry? God doesn't care what car? Is that what you're saying? And, and let me just be super clear on this. I believe God is our heavenly father, okay? He is our heavenly father. And as our heavenly father, just like an earthly father or an earthly parent who loves their children, God cares deeply about the decisions that we make. But I also believe that because God is a heavenly father, that just like an earthly parent, he does not want to make every single little decision for us, right? He doesn't want to do that, but he wants to equip us to make awesome decisions. And so, and so here's what I want to tell you today. I want to talk about how do we navigate through the gray? How do we make decisions in the areas that aren't specifically deliberately laid out for us in scripture, okay? And here, here's what you need to know, that according to the Bible, God has given us two unbelievable, in his loving mercy and in his grace, God has given us two unbelievable tools, navigation tools, to equip us to make awesome decisions in every area of life, in every decision, okay? And here's what those two navigation tools are. The first one we've been talking about for the past three weeks is God's will, okay? One of the best tools God has given us to make great decisions is he has given us his will. He has given us his commandments. He has given us his precepts. God has not left us in the dark in the way that he wants us to live. The Bible has so much to say about financial issues, about sexual issues, about relationship issues. God has told us many of those things, okay? But for all other areas of life that aren't spelled out in the Bible, here's the second navigation tool that God wants for us, and it's godly wisdom. It's wisdom. God has given us two tools, that he wants us to navigate through the decisions of life with. He has given us his will, God's will, and he has given us godly wisdom. He wants us to pursue godly wisdom. 
okay? So, so let me just kind of define that because we're going to be talking a lot about wisdom today. Let me kind of define wisdom. Uh, wisdom is actually a really fascinating word. If you, if you take the word wisdom in the original language, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, the, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the New Testament was written in Greek, and if you take the word wisdom in both of those languages and you pull it back into the original Greek and Hebrew, you come to learn those words are really fascinating uh, because they mean, they mean more than just knowledge. A lot of times when we think about wisdom, we think that means that you know a lot, right? Oh, that guy's wise. He knows a whole bunch. But the Bible says that wisdom is actually more than just knowledge. It includes knowledge, but it's more than knowledge. Here's what wisdom really is. Probably the best definition of the word wisdom in the original language, it is the word skill. Wisdom is skill. It is the skill of living life well, okay? And the Bible tells us that, that we should have what we need to navigate through the decisions of life is we need wisdom. So what do you need for the decision that you're facing right now? What car to buy, what school to go to, which person to date, you know, what relationship choice you're making, what kind of purchasing decision. What do you need? Listen, here's what you don't need. You don't need a sign from God to tell you what you need to do. Okay? You don't need God to, to, to deliberately explain to you which direction you go. Here's what, here's what you need. You need godly wisdom. You don't need to tell the future. You don't need to read the tea leaves. You don't need astrology, all right? You don't need a, a crystal ball to somehow determine what your next choice is. You need godly wisdom, and that's what God wants for us. So, so just to be super clear uh, on this whole, because some of you are like, I think I know what you're saying, but I'm not really sure what you're talking about. So let me just try to help to make it really, really clear. How does God's will and godly wisdom, how do those things work together? I want you to think about basketball for a second. Let's use basketball as an analogy. I think that's probably pretty fitting, right? Since the Cavs are going to the finals, which how awesome is that? Man, that's so good. The first, the first service actually applauded. So you guys must <laughs> hate basketball, except for that guy. He likes basketball. So, so man, they're going that right, and that's awesome. So let's just talk about that for a minute. Okay, so the guy who invented basketball, or the group, I don't know who that was, so John Basketball, uh, when he invented the game, right, he, he designed it in such a way that there are certain rules to the game. So the game of basketball has, has rules. It has, it has boundaries. It has right and wrong. Um, so, so for example, you have inbounds, you have out-of-bounds, right? There, there's right and wrong according to the game of basketball. It is wrong to foul. It is wrong to travel. It is wrong to double dribble. You get penalized for those things. And so the person who created the game created it with certain rules, rules of play, Okay? And I want you to think about that, the rules of basketball. I want you to think about that a little bit like God's moral will, okay? like, the, like the commandments and the precepts that God has given in the Bible. The Bible says that God is the author of humanity and of all things. And he created us in such a way that God knows the best way for us to live. God knows the key to human fulfillment. God knows the key to human flourishing. And so the Bible says God who created us, created us with certain rules and regulations in mind. Okay? There is right and wrong. There is morality, and that comes from God. God is the one who defines those things because he is our creator and because he loves us. And so I want you to think about God's will, right? the commandments and precepts in the Bible, like the, like the rules to the game of basketball. Right? That's the rules to the game of life as God has designed it to be played. All right, but, but here's what you and I both know. You can have two players who are playing basketball, and just because they're playing by the rules does not ensure that they're skilled at the game. Right? I mean, for example, you watch the Cavs play, it is remarkable when you watch guys like LeBron James and Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving, when you watch these guys play, they are unbelievably skilled. I am in awe of their talent. And you're like, how did they become so skilled? Well, well here, here's what skill is. Skill is much more than just a knowledge of the game, right? It's much more than just knowing the rules. Skill is the ability through much time, through much discipline, through much training, right, to, to learn how mastery within those rules. My guess is LeBron and Kyrie and Kevin Love, when those guys play basketball, my guess is they don't even think twice about the rules. It's so intuitive to them that they know how to navigate within those rules, and they've gained mastery over them. And that's kind of like what godly wisdom is. Okay, godly wisdom is, man, I know God so well, I know the Bible so well, that, I, that through practice and through discipline and through growing in my knowledge, I know how to maneuver through decisions almost as if it's second nature. Okay, that's what godly wisdom is, right? Let me give you one more illustration, just because I want to be super clear on this, all right? I want you guys to think about a GPS for a minute. So a GPS is a navigation tool. My guess is every single one of us has one, if not in our car, then on our phone. And how does a GPS work? Well, you guys all know this, right? Let's say you're sitting at a stoplight and you have an individual GPS unit in your vehicle, right? And you're trying to figure out, should I turn left or should I turn right here, depending on where I'm going? 
what's the GPS do? Well, here's how the GPS works. You guys know this. At any given moment, that GPS is communicating. And it is communicating with satellites that are hundreds of thousands of feet orbiting around the Earth. Fact, there's a network, some of you guys know this, of 24 satellites at any given time that are orbiting around the Earth, right? And those satellites, all 24 of them, cover very, very, very broad areas. And so when you're sitting here and you're trying to figure out, should I turn left or should I turn right, what happens is your individual GPS unit, it communicates with at least three, at least three, usually more than that, three of these satellites at any given time. And it triangulates all of what those satellites are saying, and then it somehow calculates it. I don't know what I'm doing with my hands. Apparently, it's an interpretive dance, right? And it calculates that, and it says, okay, now we have oriented you, and we have positioned you, and so now you need to turn left, all right? Now, now here's, here's how I want you to think about that. Those satellites are kind of like God's moral will. Okay? It's kind of like God's will. That's like the commandments that God has given us. You guys, God has given us commandments, and he has given us principles that, that oversee every area of life in a general way. Right, the Bible talks about finances. It, it's so much to say about finances. The Bible says so much to say about sexuality. The Bible has so much to say about relationships. And it speaks about those things in general ways. Here's what wisdom is, okay? Wisdom is the ability to take those biblical principles, to triangulate them so that it informs which direction you should go in life as you're trying to make a decision. Right, so I'll give you an example. Let's say for right now, you're dating someone and you're trying to figure out if you should marry this person. Right, so you're trying to, man, God, is this the person? Is this the one? I'm trying to figure out, should I marry them? All right, here's where you need godly wisdom. And what godly wisdom does is, is, is you're not gonna find a verse in the Bible that says that you should marry a certain person. Like, you're not gonna find a verse that says, marry Jim, right? That's not in there. Or you're not gonna find a verse that says, you know, marry Betsy. That's not something you're gonna find in scripture. But here's what you are gonna find. You're gonna find general principles. So, for example, the New Testament, I don't know if you guys know this, but the Bible says that for those who follow Jesus, and I know not everyone follows Jesus, that the Bible has this principle of being unequally yoked. And what the Bible basically says is this. If you're a person that follows and loves Jesus, it is not wise for you to be in a relationship with another person who does not share the same passion and enthusiasm for Christ as you do. It's a biblical principle, right? You have other passages of the Bible. So you have Ephesians chapter 5, for example, and what that does is it outlines for us God's blueprint for marriage. It tells us this is the, this is the picture that God wants to paint within marriage. And by the way, the picture that God intends to paint through marriage is categorically different than the picture that culture paints for marriage. And then you have other passages like Genesis 1 and 2. And those passages talk about the origins of marriage. Why did God design marriage in the first place, right? Marriage is not anthropological. It doesn't come from people. It's theological. It comes from God. And see, what you do, what you and I do, for those of us who follow Jesus, is the Bible says godly wisdom is the ability to take these different principles, to triangulate them, and then, and then to, to use them with godly wisdom to help me make directional decisions in my life. Right? Is that making sense? hope that makes sense because that's how this idea of God's will and godly wisdom work together. God has given us two unbelievable navigation tools in this life. He's given us his will and he's given us his wisdom. Okay, now here's what I want to do. For the rest of our time that we have here today, I want to get as practical as I know how to get, okay? I just want to be as practical as possible. And what I want to do with the rest of our time is I want to give you an example of what does it look like to make a decision where I am filtering it through God's will and I am filtering it through godly wisdom? What does it look like to navigate through a decision in that way? And I want to get really, really practical. And so here's what we're going to do the rest of our time. I'm going to introduce you to 10 questions. Okay, we're going to go through 10 questions that you can ask to any decision that you are making in life. And, and, and this will help you filter through to figure out if this is a decision that's within God's will, and if this is a decision where I am pursuing godly wisdom. And by the end, you, you'll be able to walk away knowing that you're making a great decision, okay? So 10 questions. Now, there's probably more than 10 questions you can be asking, but my hope is to give you an example, okay? This is a way to think. This is a way to think. And I just need to tell you this too, that for some of you, as we go through these 10 questions, I'm gonna be introducing you to an entirely new way of thinking. And for some of you, you, you're gonna say to yourself, I have literally never asked myself that question before, ever. And if that's the case, by the way, that's all right. Because remember, what we're trying to do is, is by practice 
and by discipline and by learning that eventually these things that don't come intuitive will become second nature, that we will be skilled in decision making. And so what you can do is this, if you want to, you can take notes, and as you're taking notes on these 10 questions that we're going to ask that come right from the Bible, you can, you can take, I would just encourage you, if you're facing a big decision, take that decision and filter it through these 10 questions that we're about to ask, okay? Does that make sense? All right, so, so as practical as I can get, 10 questions to help you make great decisions within God's will and with godly wisdom, here they are. Okay, here's the first question. Number one, if you're taking notes, you can jot it down. Have I surrendered my life to Jesus? That's question number one. Have I surrendered my life to Jesus? Okay, some of you might already be like, what in the world does that have to do? with what car I'm going to buy, with how much money I should spend on a house, with what career I should pursue, with what college I should go to. What does that question have to do with any of that? And, and listen, here's the thing. It actually has everything to do with that. And, um, and listen, I know that, that there might be some of you in this room today, in fact, there might be many of you who right now are in a place where you're investigating Jesus. You're trying to figure out whether or not you actually believe this whole God thing and the whole Jesus thing. And if that's the case, listen, I need to tell you this, and we say this all the time, and I'll say it again. We count it an honor, honestly, and a privilege that you would let us be part of that investigation. There's, you could be doing anything you want on your Sunday morning, but you decided to be here. And so we count that as an honor and a privilege. And some of the stuff we talk about here might seem weird to you, and it might seem strange to you. But listen, I need to tell you this. I need to tell you because we believe that this book is not just another book. We believe that this book contains the words of God to us. And because of that, what that means is this, is that it is God's will for you, that God desires you to surrender your life to the person of Jesus Christ. And let me just give you a passage on this. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 to 4. Timothy says, this is good, it pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Right? The Bible says that it is God's will that you are saved, meaning that you embrace God's plan of rescue, his plan of salvation. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. In other words, God loves you very much. And God has created a rescue plan to reconcile you to God. And listen, this is the most important decision you will make. Above all other decisions, this is the crown jewel of all decisions. In fact, everything else that I'm about to tell you, these, these next nine questions are irrelevant if you haven't answered this one. Because I gotta tell you, the Christian life without Jesus and without the Holy Spirit is impossible, all right? And so it begins here. And so I need to tell you, if you're a person investigating Jesus and you have not yet made a decision to surrender your life to Christ, maybe for you today is that day. Maybe you found yourself in a situation where you said, listen, I've tried to define, I've tried to direct my own life and it's led to regret, it's led to some decisions I'm not real proud of. And so I need to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. And you can do that today. It's not a magic formula. You could just talk to God and say, I want to surrender my life to you. For some of you, you need more time. You need to figure that out. And if that's the case, that's, that's okay. And I would encourage you, though, to figure it out. Uh, go talk, get a cup of coffee with the person who brought you. Meet with someone on staff. It's the most important decision that you will ever make. I know I'm belaboring the point. So let's go to the second question. Here's number two. So number one, have I surrendered my life to Jesus? Number two, is this decision, the decision you're thinking about making, clearly unbiblical? Okay, this might seem like an obvious one, especially because we're in church, uh, but yeah, is it clearly unbiblical, right? Is this decision clearly unbiblical? We just spent the last three weeks explaining that God's will is laid out for us definitively in the Bible, God's commandments and God's precepts. Uh, the, the verse that we like on this one, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it says this, it says, it is God's will that you should be sanctified, for God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. So here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, it is God's will that we're sanctified. Sanctified is a real kind of fancy pants word. Basically what it means is this. It means that I'm living my life in a set apart way according to the commandments and the precepts that God gives in the Bible. So is the decision you're making go against scripture, right? So you're like, I'm really thinking about leaving my spouse and starting a relationship with this other person. You think I should do that? The answer is no, you should not do that. And you're like, but you have not heard my situation yet. I don't need to hear your situation. The Bible has definitively laid this out for us, that this is God's will for you. Some of you are like, I'm trying to make a career decision, and, and there's this career option, but it's going to require me to be a little unethical. I'm going to have to be dishonest to pursue that. Is that something you think I should do? No, it is not something you should do. And you're like, but you haven't even heard the circumstance yet. It don't, I don't need to. It doesn't really matter because God has definitively laid out these things in Scripture. You're like, I'm thinking about robbing a bank. Is that a good idea? Don't do that. All right? It's a bad choice, and your mom wouldn't want you to make that decision. Okay. So is it clearly unbiblical? Here's the third thing. Number three, 
Does this decision contradict authority figures in my life? Does this decision, the decision I make, does it, con- is it, does it contradict authority figures in my life? You're like, can you give me an example of authority figures? Sure. All right, so if you are a high school student or a middle school student in this room right now, or if you live at home and you depend on your parents in some way or another, your parents are an authority figure in your life. Uh, they are given to you by God to help provide for your needs and to, pro- to provide protection for you, okay? If you're an employee and you work somewhere and you have a boss or a manager that oversees you, he or she is an authority figure in your life. For all of us in this room, our governing authorities, so whether it be congressmen or congresswomen, uh, whether it be governors or the president of the United States of America, law enforcement, the laws that govern our land, those things are authority figures in all of our lives. And here's, here's what the Bible tells us. Let's just take a look at this. This is in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 and 15. Peter says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake, for God's sake, for the Lord's sake, to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. So here's what Peter says. He says, listen, if there's an authority figure that is asking you to do something or asking you not to do something, and it's not directly contrary to what God has commanded you in Scripture. So in other words, if they're not asking you to sin, that's God's will for you. That's what God wants you to do. That is God's will for you, okay? So I'll give you a real practical example. Maybe, for example, you're a teenager right now, and you really want to get a motorcycle, all right? Now, I'm using this analogy because this was me when I was 17 years old. And, I, and let's say you're a teen. I was 17 years old, wanted a motorcycle. And let's say that your parents said to you, because this is what my parents said to me, they said, if you want a motorcycle, that's fine, but you have to get out of our house, okay? So not under our house, not under our rules. As long as you're living here and as long as you're under 18 years old, you cannot have a motorcycle. But if you turn 18 and you move out and you're not under our rules in our house, you're an adult, you can make whatever decision that you want, okay? So if your parents have told that to you and you want a motorcycle, then listen to me. It is God's will that you do not have a motorcycle, right? God does not want you to have a bike right now, all right? Or whatever it might be, whatever that decision might be for you, okay? If you want a motorcycle, all right, then get out of the house after you turn 18 and do your own laundry. And then you can have a bike, right? That's kind of how that works. Or, Or how about this one, okay? If you're an employee right now and you have an employer and they are asking you to do something and it's not unethical, it's not against the Bible, it's just something you don't personally agree with, okay? Or it's something that you're like, it's not a direction that I would lead the organization if I was in charge, and if you've talked with them about that decision and you cannot seek peace on it and they're just, at, listen, it is God's will for you. It is God's will for you that you subject yourself to your authorities. And if you cannot do that peaceably in your workplace, then you have the freedom to go find another job. That is totally fine to go find another job. For all of us, every one of us who lives in America, we live in an awesome country. We really do. We live in a great country. That's what we celebrate this weekend the freedom that we have and and, and those who have sacrificed themselves for that freedom. Many of you in this room who have served our country in that way, man, and we're so thankful for that. Listen, and I believe, I genuinely believe as an American and as a Christian that we we need to exercise the right that we have been given to vote according to our convictions, that we should be involved in the things that are happening around us in our community, that we should stand up for the things we believe in and the things that are right in a peaceable way. But listen, when elected officials pass laws and, and, when they, and when they lead us in certain ways that we don't always necessarily agree with, but it goes against the Bible, it is God's will for us that we submit ourselves to our authorities with respect, right? God wants that for us. And so, so here's the question. The decision that you're making, is it contrary to an authority figure that God has placed in your life? And if that's the case, I would say, don't do it. It's not a good decision, not a wise choice. Okay, so number three, does it contradict authority? Here's number four. Number four, this is really a question of godly wisdom. Number four, have I prayed for wisdom from God? Okay, have you prayed about this decision, the decision you're making right now about what house to buy or what car to get or what school to go to or which person you should marry? Have you been asking God about that decision? Here's what James says, James chapter 1, verses 5 to 6. It says it so clearly. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. How about that, right? Ask God. He gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must, not, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. I love this passage, by the way. Do you notice what God, what, what God says through James here? 
He says, if you lack wisdom, if you lack wisdom, you should ask God. If you're trying to make a decision, ask God for wisdom. Do you notice what it doesn't say? It doesn't say, if you're trying to make a decision, ask God for a sign. That's not what it says. It doesn't say, when you're trying to make a decision, ask God to clearly tell you which decision you should make. It doesn't say that. No, no, why? Because that's not what God, God wants to give you, wisdom. And so the Bible says, ask God for wisdom. Ask God for wisdom. And the Bible says, and God, God is so wise. God is all wise. And if you ask him, he is so generous and he wants to give it to you. And so it might sound like an obvious question, but man, is it an important question. Have you been praying about this decision? Have you? You're trying to make a career decision choice. Have you and your family spent some concentrated time asking God, God, would you give us wisdom? Would you give us wisdom? trying to make a good decision here, Father. Would you just get, and God loves that prayer. God loves that prayer. You can pray for that. All right, so are you asking God for wisdom? Have I prayed for wisdom? Here's the fifth question. Have I sought wisdom from godly people? Okay, so the first one was, have I sought wisdom from God? Now it's, have I sought wisdom from godly people? The Bible's real clear on this, that decisions that are made in isolation are never as good as decisions that are made with advisors or in community, okay? The Bible tells us a lot about this. So let me just give you a couple passages. Proverbs eleven fourteen says this. It says, for lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15 says, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Okay? And so the Bible says, listen, man, don't just make decisions in isolation. Don't make them in a vacuum. Go pursue godly advice. Go pursue godly wisdom. You guys, I just have to tell you, that's one of the reasons that having a church like this is so awesome. Do you guys have any idea how much wisdom is represented in this room? How many life experiences? How many years of marriage? How many, how many financial decisions have been represented in this room? One of the greatest things that you can do is to leverage that, to use that, to seek God. If you're trying to make a decision in your marriage or you're trying to figure out an issue in your marriage, there are people that go to this church who love Jesus and have been married for 30 years successfully. And they would love to sit down and talk with you about the decision. Why in the world would you make that decision by yourself? You can pursue godly wisdom. You're trying to make a financial decision right now? There are people in this decision that love Jesus, and they are awesome with their money. And I'm just telling you, you're trying to make a business decision? There are people in this church that love Jesus and have been successful in, in entrepreneurship or in growing their business. Go talk to them. Seek advice. Here's one of the greatest things you can do if you're trying to seek a decision is you find people who are wise, that have godly wisdom. Talk to your life group leader, for example. You're like, I'm not in a life group. Well, get in a life group, right? And then go talk to your life group. Sit down with them. And listen, here's what you need to do. Buy them coffee. You, you buy it for them. And then sit down with a notebook. Prepare some questions. Ask your questions. And then just be quiet and take notes. It's one of the smartest things that you can do if you're trying to make a decision. Have you sought godly counsel? Okay, so number five, have I sought wisdom from godly people? Here's number six. All right, this question, this one's gonna be tricky because for some of you, you're gonna be like, I have never asked that question in my entire life. Here, here it is, all right? Number six, will I regret this decision at the judgment seat of Christ? Now, some of you are like, wow, that is a question right there. Will I regret this decision at the judgment seat of Christ? You're like, what is that even? And uh, let me just tell you, the Bible says this. The Bible says that in the end, for all of us who follow Christ, and again, I know not everyone does, uh, that all of us will stand before Jesus and give an account for our lives. We'll give an account for how we spend our time and our money and how we spend our energy. We'll give an account. Here, here's what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, so we make it our goal to please him, whether we're at home in the body or we're away from it, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of us might receive what is due to us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So the Bible says every decision that we make, we're going to stand before God, the judgment seat of Christ, every dollar we spent, every moment that we had, all the energy that we had, and we're going to give an account to God for the things that we've done, all right? So the question is, will I regret this decision at the judgment seat of Christ? Now, I know when I ask that, there's some of you that are like, well, geez, now I'm not going to make any decision, Right? You're like, and I'm, I can't even go buy gum. Because if I buy gum, I'm going to be like, would Jesus want me to buy this gum? Or would he want me to use the 35 cents or whatever gum costs to like, give to the poor, right? Jeez, man, for crying out loud. And, and let me just say, real quick on that, let me just say, I'm not asking that question to try to evoke a guilt trip. That's not what that question is intended to do. That question is intended to align our hearts to the reality that there is an eternity. 
See, sometimes we make decisions and we feel like this, as if this earth was all there is. And as if all the time and all the money and all the energy that we have belongs to us. And the Bible says that is not the case. Let me just give you an example of what this might look like. So just yesterday, just yesterday, my wife and I were having this conversation. And we were sitting there eating breakfast. And we started having this conversation of whether or not we should paint our living room. Okay, so my wife and I, we moved into a house here in Medina just a couple years ago. It's an awesome house. We love it. We've gotten this house, and the walls are as white as can be. They're just bland, just, just white, right? There's no color at all on these walls. And so my wife and I were like, well, it'd be kind of nice to put some paint on those walls. It'd be kind of nice to have some color in here, right? But automatically what we did is we started processing through that decision. And here, here's what the conversation went like. We said, well, how much would it cost if we wanted to get that room painted? So we started talking about it, figured out how much it would cost. And we're like, ooh, that's a lot of money. And so we're like, what, what, else, what else could we do with that money? So we started thinking about it. We started asking questions. Are we being generous the way that we want to be generous? Are we already being responsible with our money or are we not? Is this something we need to save for? Do we need to think about it? And so we started thinking about that. Is this a decision that we're going to be proud of? You know, in the end, are we thinking with eternity in mind? But listen, that wasn't the only consideration that was going through our mind because there was another consideration, and that was this. We said when we bought that house, we wanted it to be a place where we could practice hospitality. We wanted this house to be a place that was warm and inviting. We wanted it to be a place where we could host life groups. We wanted it to be a place where we could have meetings. Our neighbors could come over to our house. And so we said, maybe it would be the best thing for us to put some paint on the walls because that's a, that's a showing of, of hospitality. Maybe we would be proud of that decision when we face the creator. And then I was thinking, I didn't tell Jess this, but I was thinking to myself, I was like, I'm a husband, right? I, and I'm married to Jessica and I have kids. And the Bible says that my responsibility as a husband is that I should love my wife like Jesus loves the church. And how does the Bible say that Jesus loves the church? Extravagantly, extravagantly. And so I'm like, maybe I should paint the walls for my wife, right? Because let's just be honest, let's be totally honest with you. If I was single, I could live in a box and eat ramen noodles and tuna and shower at the YMCA. I just don't care. I don't care, right? But the truth is, I'm married, and I have a wife, and I have kids, and I don't want them to live in a box. I don't want them to eat tuna and, and mashed potatoes and shower at the YMCA. I don't want them to do this. I want to provide for them in a way that Jesus provides for the church. And so, so listen, all of these considerations are swirling around because we're trying to figure out if we should paint our living room, all right? And here's what I want you to get. I just want you to understand this. If you're not asking the question, um, is this a decision that I'm going to be proud of when I stand before Jesus? You should be asking that decision. You should be thinking about these things. Thinking with eternity in mind. Thinking about these different... Should Jess and I paint our living room? That's a decision we need to make. It's a decision that we need to make. Should you paint your living room? It's a decision you need to make. But, but as you process through it, ask these questions. Okay. Here's the next one. Number seven. Will this decision cause another person to stumble? Will this decision that I'm about to make cause another person to stumble? You're like, what does that mean? Okay, let me explain that. It's a biblical concept. Um, and the Bible says, basically, there are certain decisions that you, can, you and I can make that are not necessarily right and wrong decisions. But because of those decisions, it can cause another person to stumble in their faith. It can cause another person to have a crisis in their faith. All right? So let me give you the passage on this one. This is Romans 14. The Apostle Paul says this. He says, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better to not eat meat or to drink wine or to do anything else that's going to cause your brother or sister to fall. So let me just kind of give you some context. The Apostle Paul is speaking to a very specific situation in this passage. And what he's talking about is back in this time, there was uh, some new believers, some new Christians... And they believed that it was a sin to eat certain types of food. And the Apostle Paul says, it's not a sin to eat certain types of food. But he says, but if by you eating this food, it causes another person to falter in their faith, you shouldn't do it then. That's what the Apostle Paul says. All right, now, now in our day and age, food is really not the issue, right? Food, I don't think so. I don't think that's really the issue. But it brings up a whole bunch of other gray areas in our life where you're not going to find a passage of the Bible that tells you it's right or wrong but it could create a crisis in someone, else's, in someone else's faith. Like, so for example, the big ones in our culture would be things like alcohol, alcohol consumption. Are you gonna find a verse in the Bible that says that you should not drink? Is that gonna be in there? Right? No, 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 there's verses that say you shouldn't be drunk. There's verses that warn against some of the dangers with alcohol, but you're not gonna find a verse in the Bible that says that you, thou shall not drink Pap's Blue Ribbon, right? Though that should be a commandment. PBR is terrible, right? And... Um, <laughs> 
but it's just true. So, but right, so there's not a verse that says that in the Bible. But many of you know that is an issue that can cause someone else, especially if they're new in their faith and if they came from the party lifestyle, that might cause them to stumble. And so maybe it's not a wise decision for you then. Things like tobacco use, you're not going to find a verse that says thou shalt not smoke. But again, again, is it, is it wise considering that those who are around you? Now listen, you can't please everybody. Right? Let's just be straight. You can't please everyone. But are you thinking about that? This also brings up really small issues of decisions, things like issues of modesty, what you wear. You're not going to find a verse in the Bible, ladies, that says that your, your, your shorts have to be a certain length or that thou shalt not wear a certain tightness of pants. You're not going to find a verse that says that, right? Guys, you're not going to find a verse that says, like, you, thou shalt not wear, I don't, I don't know what, what, what kind of clothes, spandex or something, you know what I mean? And uh, you're not going to find a verse that says that in the Bible. But listen, are you being considerate of the fact that the way you dress might actually cause another person to stumble in their faith? And, and again, can't please everyone. Can't please everyone. Turn to the person next to you, say, can't please everyone. Can't please everyone, but are you considerate? Are you considerate of those who are around you? It's a question. This also brings up things like financial purchases. It's not wrong necessarily to spend a certain amount of money on something, but, but, but sometimes just think about the influence that it might cost you. All right, so just think about those things. Okay, here's the next one. Number eight, am I breaking any previous commitments? In this decision that I'm making, is it gonna cause me to break any previous commitments that I've made? Um, the Bible t- says that if you make any oaths or if you make any commitments or you make any binding contracts with another person, you're obligated to those things. For those who follow Jesus, we are obligated to those things. Let me give you a couple passages. Psalm 15, verse 4, a righteous person keeps an oath even when it hurts and, d- and does not change their mind. Okay? Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 37, Jesus says it. He says, all you need to say is yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Let your yeses be yeses and let your noes be noes. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says if you made a commitment to somebody, if you've made a binding contract with somebody, if you have, if you have made an oath to somebody, you have to keep that. You either need to keep it and fulfill it or you need to go back to that person and renegotiate to get out of it. But, but that's something you have to do. So this brings up a whole bunch of issues too. So for example, let's say you're trying to consider a purchase right now. You're thinking about buying something, okay? Maybe something big. You're like, should we put a deck on the back of our house? All right, well, listen, if you currently have a whole bunch of consumer debt, technically your money, that money is obligated to somebody else. So you need to fulfill that, okay? So, so debt annihilation plan. It's a great idea. If you haven't been through Dave Ramsey's stuff, the, the uh, financial piece, that's a great start, Financial Peace University. Debt annihilation, fulfill the, the commitment that you have. Maybe you're trying to figure out a job right now, but you have made a commitment to your employee for a certain time frame. You have made a commitment to, to, to your organization for a certain time frame. Or maybe for you, you signed a non-compete. And listen, you need, you need to uphold those things. And so either fulfill your commitment or go back to that person and renegotiate and get yourself out of it. But the Bible's pretty clear. Your yeses ought to be yeses and your noes ought to be no. Don't flake out. Don't flake out. That's not what God wants for you. Okay, here's the next one. Number nine, given my previous experiences, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, is this wise? I know that's like three questions in one, but I really wanted to get this down to 10 questions, so I just kind of shoved them all in that nine, number nine. So um, given my previous experiences, here's what I mean. Given my past, okay, what, the decision I have in front of me right now might not be wrong for you, but because of my past, it might be wrong for me. Because of what I've done, because of where I've been, because of my family, because of my genetics, because of my grandfather, because of the, 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 whatever it might be, because generations and generations all struggled with the same thing, I is not wise for me to make this decision. Okay, in light of my past, in light of my current circumstances, my current circumstances. Listen, sometimes the answer is not no forever. Sometimes the answer is no for now. So I'll give you an example. Right now I have three kids. I have two little boys and a little princess, and they are all six and under. And so given my current circumstances right now in life, there are many opportunities that I have to turn down. Why? It's, it's not no forever. It's no for now. I can't do that right now. Why? Because I got these little kids. And they need, they need a father who's going to be present. Now, one day, they're going to grow up, and they're going to get out of the house by the time they're 18 years old, no later, right? They're going to move out of the house, and then, and then I'm going to have more freedom to make those decisions as I, as I can, but just not now. My given circum. So for some of you, you're trying to make a career decision right now. Maybe there's a career move, but, but you've got to ask the question, in my current circumstance, is that wise? With my family, where it is right now, 
my marriage in the condition that it's in right now, my, my relationships in the condition, is that wise, my financial situation? Maybe the answer isn't no forever, but maybe the answer is no for now. And then here's the last one, my future hopes and dreams. I light of my future hopes and dreams. Some of you, this, this is going to be a really helpful consideration, especially if you're thinking about a, a certain college to go to. What do you want to do? You're like, I want to be an engineer. Go to, the, go to the best school you can afford that has the greatest engineering program. It's probably a good decision for you in light of your future hopes and dreams. For some of you right now, you're like, I want to get married one day, and I want to have no regrets in the relationships in the past. Okay, well, then make decisions in light of that, of that future. It's going to really inform your dating situation right now. Right? Make decisions that way. Okay. Here's the last one. Last one. You ready for it? If you filter through all those questions, God's will, godly wisdom, this is the best one. Number 10. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want to do? See, see here's the awesome thing. The awesome thing is that if you have pursued God's will, it's not, it's not against God's will, and if you have pursued godly wisdom, then here it is. Do what you want. You can just do what you want to do. You can be confident that you're making a decision that honors God and that's going to lead to the destination that God wants for you. Never forget when I was 24 years old. When I was 24, I had two amazing opportunities right in front of me. Uh, on one hand, I was an intern, and I was working at Grace Church over at Bath with the college ministry there. And on the other hand, this might sound kind of funny to you guys, but I was in a band, and I actually played guitar in this band. And we were okay. We weren't too bad. And so we actually had these two opportunities come at the same time. And one of the opportunities that was presented to me was that the church was offering me to come on full-time and to work at the church. And on the other hand, our band started getting these opportunities. And we had a couple chances to travel around the country and to go on tour with a couple other bands. And I remember I was really divided because like, I know I can't do both of these things, but I really love both of these things. I would love to do that. And I'll never forget, I went and I talked to uh, Pastor Bob at the Norton campus. You guys know Pastor Bob? The guy's like Yoda. And so I went to... Pastor Bob, and I was like, Bob, I'm really trying to figure out what to do. I've been praying for God's will. I'm like, God, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? And I'll never forget what Bob did. He said, okay. He said, let me ask you a few questions. I said, okay. He said, does what you, do, either one of these decisions, do they contradict what God wants in the Bible? Like, I don't think so. I don't think there's any verses that say one way or the other about these things. He's like, okay. He goes, let me ask you this question. Either one of these opportunities, do they align with your gifts and abilities? I was like, I think so. I said, I think I have some skill in ministry. I said, and I think I, I think I have some skills in music. I mean, I'm no Seth Tonkar, but, you know, I can find my way around on the fretboard a little bit, you know. I said, I, you know, and that kind of thing. He said, okay. He said, can you glorify God in either one of these decisions? I said, I think I can. I said, honestly, because one of them is a ministry in the church and the other one's a ministry out of the church. And we had a strong desire, this group of guys, to be a light for Jesus in really dark, we played in very dark places. And we had a light, we had a heart to do that, right? I was like, I really do. I think I can. He said, okay. He said, are you breaking? He's like, if you do either of these decisions, are there any commitments that you would be breaking? I said, no. I said, I'm a single guy. I mean, I was dating Jessica at the time, but we weren't married. I was like, no, I'm not breaking anything. I don't, I don't have any debt, none of those type of things. He's like, okay. And then I'll never forget what he said. He looked at me, and he pointed his finger right at me. He's kind of short, so he pointed it right at my stomach. <laughs> and he said, uh, he said, you do what you want. You do what you want. And I'll never forget the thought literally never crossed my mind. Never crossed my mind that I could have an opinion of the matter. I was so busy like, God, what do you want? Just show me, just show me. And Pastor Bob's like, do what you want to do. You process through God's will. You process through godly wisdom. Do what you want and you can trust God. You know what I did? I went away and I thought about it and I thought about it and I prayed about it and I thought, you know what? One day I want to marry this girl that I'm dating right now and if I'm traveling around in a band, I don't think that's going to be possible and I really love ministry and I decided to continue to pursue grace. So I quit the band. I started pursuing grace. Listen, here's the thing. You can do what you want. I love the way Augustine puts it. St. Augustine says this. He says, look, love God and do whatever you please. Just love God. Love God, love his will, pursue his wisdom, and then just do what you want to do. So for some of you, go to the college you want to go to. If you've processed through this whole thing and you're like, I don't know, God, what's it going to be? And I've sought wisdom and I've sought your will and I don't know what to do and I have these two great decisions, do what you want. Do what you want. You could trust God that he's going to send you where he wants you. Some of you are trying to pursue a career right now. God, I can't figure it out. I can't find it. I've got these great options. Pick the job you want. If you've processed through this, do what you love God and do what you please. Some of you are trying to figure out a relationship thing. God, is it her? I don't know. And I've, you've processed all through it. And now it's like, listen, do what you want. 
Call her up. Ask her out on a date. Stop being a pansy, right? <laughs> Just do it. You're like, should I marry this girl? I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure it out. And you go through all of it. Have you sought wisdom? Have you sought God's will? It's all good. Fine. Look, if you like it, put a ring on it, man. Go for it. And you don't have to live under the tyranny of uncertainty. Our Heavenly Father, He wants us to make great decisions. You know what I want for my kids? I don't want to make every decision for my kids. I don't want to do that. I don't want when they're 25 years old for them to come and say, Dad, what snack should I have this afternoon? I'm like, that would be terrible, you know? I want to equip them to make wise decisions in this life. And your Heavenly Father wants the same for you. So seek His will, seek His wisdom. And then you do what you want. Now, I hope this conversation has been helpful for you. I know we gave you a lot of content today. And so let me point to one more resource and then we're done. We have taken this entire conversation and we put it into a decision tree. So if you're a person that would find this helpful and you want to shove this in your Bible or find, put this somewhere where you need to make a big decision, you can grab this. It's at the Welcome Center. It's all for free. You can just take it. It's a gift from us to you. It's kind of fun. It's kind of creative. There's actually a couple extra things that we didn't have time to cover in here that you'll find on this, but you can grab that, and it's a way of taking this conversation home, okay? Let's pray together. Well, Heavenly Father, I just want to say thank you so much for the fact that you have given us everything that we need in this life to make awesome decisions you have not left us in the dark. Lord, you don't want us to live under the tyranny of uncertainty, to constantly be second-guessing ourselves all the time. You don't want that for us, God, but you've given us your will. You have not left us in the dark. You've told us the way we should live this life. But then in addition to that, you've given us wisdom. Lord, and we can pursue wisdom, and I pray that you would give it to us. For, for the person right now who's facing a big decision and they're, and they're paralyzed, they're scared. They're scared because they don't know which way to go. Father, I pray you would give them confidence. I pray you'd give them wisdom. You give so generously wisdom. And so I pray that for each person in this room as we make decisions. And Father, as we go from this place, I pray that we'd be blessed, that we'd be refreshed, and spirit that you would lead us all week. And we ask these things in Christ's name.